it's Tracy Tully and you're listening to Tracy Tully Talks at bbsradio.com, the place to be right now, streaming live with another 60 minutes of thought-provoking topics, sharing with you conversations that are relevant today, tomorrow and in the future. Join me each week on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Australian time, AEST, 5 p.m. Wednesday PT, hello Los Angeles. If you miss the live show, Jump onto your favourite podcasting platform and you'll find me on Tracy Tully Talks. We do have some adult language, so if you have some little ones around, pop on your earphones. And hello, it's Tracy Tully here from Tracy Tully Talks and we welcome you today. In our studio, we have Denise Michelle, Lucy Lou and Amy Lynn and we do have another uh, coming in shortly, Lisa Milan. So I welcome you ladies and for our listeners out there, these ladies are co-authors of a book called Asian Women Who Boss Up. I reckon you're Asian babes. So I'm looking forward to hearing your stories today and, uh, and tell us about yourself and where you're from and why you wrote uh, in this co-author book. So Denise, can I start with you please? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and why you're here today? Sure. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having us. Um, Well, I'm Denise Michelle. I am located in Los Angeles. And um, well, for one, I've I've always wanted to be an author. And um, that was that that's been on my in my vision for a very long time. And I did start writing my solo book and just kind of got scared about it and uh, ran away and and diverted to other things. And then uh, in the fall of last year, I was approached with this project and I am not full Asian. I'm half Asian. I'm half Filipino. And um, I, I just felt so inspired by this title, Asian women who boss up. I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't a book that was going to be just your regular run of the mill let's tell our stories of empowerment. This goes much deeper. Um, and I wanted to share that. I wanted to share, share and be a part of part of this dynamic of, of Asian women who, you know, if you know anything about Asian culture, very much taught to, to kind of be on the sidelines, stay quiet, be subservient. You see that a lot. And, and, I'm like, hell yeah, that's not who we are. <laughs> and if and if we can bring together this this community of women and really shine our light and be here together, rising together, making a difference, sharing our stories, um, I think this is going to be one of the most powerful things that that we can do for not only ourselves, but for the people who we're here to reach. Um, because, you know people, people were needing this. A lot of, a lot of people were needing this. They were needing to hear, um, to hear Asian voices, Asian women voices stand up and say, Hey, I believe in something. Um, and I made it happen. So we're here to help you do that too. Excellent. Thank you very much. Now, Lucy, could you please tell us a little bit about why you chose to become an author in Asian Women Who Boss Up. 
Thank you. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. And hello, beautiful souls. If you're tuning in and watching this, thank you for stopping by. So I am a Lucy Lou, maybe not the one you're used to seeing in Charlie's Angels on TV. She's amazing, I know. But yes, I'm Lucy Lou as well. And that used to be one of my biggest hindrances is having the same name as a celebrity. So I grew up feeling I was nobody. So now what I say is that I am an ex-perfectionist. I'm an ex-overachiever. Um, and most importantly, I'm an ex-nobody because I let go of those feelings that hindered me from my personal growth. And I'm a thriver now. I choose to live a different life and I am here. So I believe with unshakable faith, that everything happens for a reason and for the best. As a business and life coach, um, myself, of course, we all have our limiting beliefs. And I definitely agree with Michelle with what she said earlier. I wanted to do my own book, but I do have those doubts. You know, am I good enough to be an author? Um, is my writing good enough? We all have these limiting beliefs. But a few days after I manifested to be an author, this co-authoring opportunity surfaced. So I am really grateful for this group of amazing women to call my sisters as we rise together. It is my passion to help other women live a joyful and fulfilling life. Um, so nothing excites me more than celebrating, empowering other women and lifting up other women who are navigating towards making more impact in the world and together collectively making a better contribution to the world. And when you surround yourself with these kind of women, these like-minded women, the, the experience is so amazing. And I think um, with this book, Asian Women Who Boss Up, the true people who boss up is not only who we want to influence, but ourselves in the process. We made this book. We came together and put our vulnerability out there and put ourselves in there, especially during COVID. I think that alone was also a boss up move for ourselves. And we hope that by our actions, we're able to inspire more lives. Great. Thank you so much, Lucy. And uh, that would have been an, a hindrance having to keep uh, answering everyone when they said, are you, you know, are you the actress itself? <laughs> I mean, it, it would have been uh, something that you just won't, can't escape from unless you make that decision to say, hey, it doesn't, doesn't uh, worry me. Great. Thank you so much. Amy, welcome. How are you, Amy? Amy, what was your incentive? What inspired you to become a co-author in Asian Women Boss Up? Yes. Hi, hi Tracy, for having us. And hi, everybody that's been listening. So, um, one of the reasons why I decided to be part of the book is because for me, uh, growing up uh, in an Asian culture, there was a belief that, you know, men are worth more than women. So the women are, were, even when we were just growing up, we're, we're taught to, from the parents, say, we should be seen, not heard, right? So then we don't speak up. And that's what happened to me. Um, I didn't used to speak up. And I, cause I didn't know that, you know, my, my voice was worth anything, 
But now that I became a coach myself and I've been through a personal development, I've been through a transformation myself, I know that each and one of us all have something to say, right? And by being, showing up, by speaking up, by bossing up, we are an example for other women, especially other Asian women. We all have something important to say. We just got to believe in ourselves and really know our self-worth. So when I, when I saw the title, Asian woman who boss, I'm like, hell yes, <laughs> let's, let's do this, right? There's nothing more, more special than being a part of that. And, you know, like what all the ladies were saying, being a part of this community of women who support each other. So that's why I, I jumped on the opportunity. Ah, wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for coming. And, uh, and it is difficult to find your voice, isn't it? It's not an easy, an easy strategy to uh, accomplish. Well done. And thank you. And good morning or good day from here. Lisa, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for here. Yes, welcome. Welcome to uh, our show. Can you tell me, Lisa, what was your incentive to become an author in Asian Women Boss Up? Um, so one of the reasons, really one of the main reasons why I joined Asian Women Who Boss Up was really to tell my story. And it was my time to come out to the world to really talk about the different traumas that I've been through. And not only that, but to also help other women that if I went through something really hard in my life, which is uh, one of the main ones that I did talk about was that I started my business before and I made my first million dollars during the first year. And then after the three years where I had reinvested with myself and then earned all those money. Um, it was stolen and taken away from me by my partner. So I never even, uh, I didn't even get to taste nor even try or even use any of the money that I've earned. So I lost everything. And then I went into depression. But the one thing that I wanted to do was tell everyone was that if I had gone through that and I was able to pick up myself and even go through it over again and then transform myself and really um, work on myself in order to, um, start my business again and then be how I am now. I want to tell that story to a lot of women and to everyone that never give up and then you, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Excellent. I love it. Uh, your attitude is fabulous. And we're going to hear more about that story, no doubt, today. So the incentive is very, very strong. And obviously, with these times, too, very, very uh, timely and impersonant. The fact that um, we, we've got a lot of racism happening in the world that we're acknowledging and as countries, individual countries, uh, they're grappling with how they can do something about it. And I always believe that industries must take control themselves of, of their own issues because we can't leave it to the governments of this world because it probably isn't really going to happen in any sort of hurry. Uh, and so what what I'd like to know now is you are all businesswomen in your own right. And uh, I'd like to find out what is it that you're doing as your business and how are you empowering women in your business? Denise, can I please ask you to start? Sure. Um, yeah. So I am a, I work in transformation. Um, I am a coach, mentor, healer, um, RTT hypnotherapist, and I have a company called Bridge the Love and um, where I serve healers, spiritual entrepreneurs, and uh, influencers. So, so really it, this is, this for me is about, is not just about, you know, helping one person at a time. It's about 
It's about how that's going to create a ripple effect in the world. Um, and I really, I'm a self-love expert. So I really focus on love as the solution personally, professionally, and globally. Um, that, you know, it, it's not easy for us to, to get to the place of love, especially when we are having a human experience going through a lot of incredible emotions every day and just trying to keep up with life. And, and on top of that, you know, getting hit with circumstances and conditions and different situations. And then, you know, having to, to know how to, how to navigate all of that within ourselves to keep showing up. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's really deep work. It's really powerful work. Um, it, this is, this is, I would say, you know, my bread and butter, this is my, my life's work. And I, I'm so passionate and so inspired by it because I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to, you know, just like Lisa was talking about, you know, being in the depression. I was born with a mental illness that I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I didn't know who my authentic self was. And, you know, when you don't know who you are at the core, you really, you really are living a life that's not fulfilled, really, you know, and it, and it, and from that, you know, you have to start looking around at, well, what are the things that are holding you back? And, you know, I, I, I create a space for people that makes it like transformation can be fun. I promise, you know, it's not all dark, you know, but yeah, we have to go through the darkness because just like, you know, the Phoenix rises from the ashes. That's kind of like what I do, but I help people go through the process and, once they get to the other side, it's so worth it because there's so much magic and there's so much creativity that's living inside of us. And it's like, there you are. Now you, now you can live in your truth. Right. And then the next layer happens. So, (laughs) you know, but, but it is, it's a process and it's a lifelong process, but, you know, I feel like unless we can really tap into, into that, the depth of ourselves, we're not going to be able to get to where we want to go or serve and help the people that we want to help in, in the most beautiful, authentic way. So that's my story there. I love it. So would you say, <clears throat> excuse me, Michelle, uh, Denise, would you say that identity would be the first area that you would work, <clears throat> or excuse me, work with? That's one of them. Yeah. Because, um, you know, first we want to understand how you're identifying with yourself. Um, and oftentimes, you know, what I found is, is people just kind of see themselves at the surface. They haven't started thinking about the depth of who they are. And when I start asking questions, because that's, that's the problem is people just don't know the quality of question to ask themselves. So they're, they're going to end up staying in a cycle that was, fed to them perhaps, right? That society feeds them, their parents feed to them, school feeds to them, what have you. And then they start asking the deeper questions. And then they're like, you know what? I I really don't like that. I don't know why, why I've allowed that to be in my life for so long. And then you have to start understanding that the habits and the behaviors and the patterns that have been created from that. And then you have to learn how to, how to notice when it comes up pause it and then learn how to, how to override it to create a new way of being. It's, it's, you know, so it's, so it's a process, you know, with any of this work. Um, and I know the other girls are going to talk about it too. You know, it, this whole thing, transformation, it's a process. 
And you have all been transforming, no doubt, in the process of writing uh, a chapter for your co-author book. Awesome. Thank you so much, Denise. Lucy, could um, you tell me about your transformation then? What, what are you doing in your business that helps empower others? Absolutely. I think, yes, absolutely. We've all been through our own transformation. That's the fun of it when we get to talk about it, right? And um, for me, I personally transformed my own life from at one point feeling stressed, overstressed, unhappy, and unhealthy even physically at one point to now living my life of true joy and fulfillment and mindfulness. And that's why we love to help other women because we're on the other side of the tunnel now. And just like Denise talked about, all of us go through tunnels and some of them are going to be really dark, right? And you cannot see the next bend and you don't see light yet. But at some point when you have guidance, especially, you're going to have that unshakable faith. Like now I still go through tunnels, right? Just because we've been through transformations ourselves doesn't mean we don't go through another tunnel. It's just that when we do, we have unshakable faith that there is light at the end of the tunnel, right? It doesn't matter. We cannot see over the next bend. We're still trust. We'll still trust that there is light and we're going to go with the tunnel. And there you go. Absolutely. At the end, there will be light. And I think Denise also touched up on this that I really liked. She said, you need someone to ask the right questions. And that's what coaches do um, because many of us are coaches. Um, she is absolutely right about this. As coaches, we don't tell you what to do. We don't give you advice, but we ask you the right questions to lead you to your own wisdom because everyone has a well of wisdom. You all have a well of wisdom inside of you. It's just sometimes our well is covered up with bushes that's a little bit overgrown. So you want <laughs> guidance to push away those bushes. And, you know, people say, Lucy, you're wise. Well, what happened? I was pretty stupid at some points of my life, right? All of us have been through those na naive days. But I have made many bold moves in my life to create that more aligned and fulfilled life I want. And that's why I hope to inspire others because you need to rid those limiting beliefs in life and you need to focus on the right things because what you focus on grows, right? So obviously we want to make the right focus in life so that you're absolutely clear on your path and designing your own life. And by living a successful life, it means successful in your own terms. And I think it's really important to know that success looks different for everyone. So it's all about knowing what success means for you. And that's when you know how to set strategic goals, goals that are in alignment with your life. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. And I really love the analogy of wells of wisdom. Uh, because it's true, isn't it? And the tunnels, and we've all been through the tunnels. Uh, when you start um, poking around after a life where you're brought up in a certain way, and especially where you're not granted the freedom of having a voice, 
or the freedom to speak, and I was brought up the same way, that uh, you were there to be seen and not heard and uh, that uh, men are the, um, the movers and the shakers in the universe. So it is, it is a, it's a difficult one when you've had a lifetime of being brought up with that and with all good intentions because our parents were brought up with that as well. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, pushback. No, no, this is, is this it? Is this all there is to my life because this ain't working for me? And I love hearing you talk about the bushes blocking the tunnel. I just love that. And it's true because they're only bushes, aren't they? They can be chopped down, they can be dug out, they can be burnt, but they can be moved. Love it. Thank you. Hi, Amy. Could you tell us about your business and what you're doing? Sure, absolutely. So I am the founder and CEO of the Opulent Academy. So what I do is I teach people how to create a quantum leap in their personal life and their business life. So I always tell you know the clients that I work with is that they are the most important thing in their personal life as well as their business. So it's crucial for them to understand who they are. And, and that's really the problem is that we were not taught, we were not raised on who we are, right? We go to college, we go to school, it's all learning about outside things, but we truly don't know who we are. And when we un- really understand who we truly are, the true essence of who we are, we are infinite. Right? And when we've heard that, but how do we tap into that infinite potential? So that that's really going through the personal de- development. So for me, what my transformation is, it happened when I um, got out of a, a relationship, a romantic long-term relationship, and I found myself lost. I, I, I put all my you know identity, my time, my effort into the relationship. And then at the end, I lost myself in that relationship. So that's when I started going to different personal development seminars and events, wanting to find out who I was and what was important for me. And, and then I, I ran into a, a mentor of mine. His name is Bob Proctor. Some of you might heard of him. So he is the number one teacher on prosperity and success. So I really dive into the, the power of the mind. How do I tap into the infinite potential and bring that out of the surface? And the more I can do that, and like what Lucy said, it's ridding, getting rid of, you know, I call it the weeds, right? So we're all with, we're all burn perfect. We just have to get rid of those things that are not us. And a lot of times those things are actually given to us by our family, by our parents, by society, and they're not true. So we have the ability to change that. And that's where I come in. Um, I, I share with my clients on how to change that. So then they can truly have a permanent shift uh, and that, that way they can create a quantum leap in their life. Excellent. Thank you so much. The Opulent Academy. And, uh, yes, the mind is very, very powerful, isn't it? Uh, last night I went to a dinner and the key speaker at the dinner last night was a professor, uh, Perry Barker, and he heads the Queensland Brain Institute. And, wow, what a conversation it was and what they have discovered just even recently in the last few weeks. And it came down to obviously how the brain can regenerate uh, their nerve cells. But if we don't exercise, it came down to that one single point. If we don't exercise, it won't happen. And then we can head into um, lots of diseases like autoimmune diseases, as well as um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And so what you're saying is that with Bob Proctor's learnings and teachings, 
that the brain is 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 where it all happens, isn't it? It's uh, and and it's it's a fascinating, absolutely fascinating uh, product of, of us. So I look forward to uh, speaking more with you, Amy. Thank you. And Lisa, can you please tell us what you're doing now in your business? Yes. So um, I am the CEO and executive producer of uh, Masterpiece. And what Masterpiece is is um, by heart, I'm an event planner. And so what I've decided to do was open up this marketing and event agency. And so what I am doing to help out everyone is to put together different events. And really my goal is to give a platform to speakers, to businesses, to entrepreneurs, or anyone who has a voice and who has to tell something to the world so they can make an impact to the world. And the way that I started that was that um, I didn't even know that I was into events or I even wanted to do events. Um, I, you know, as when I was young, um, I pretty much was really independent. I had to do everything on my own because I didn't have both my parents as I was growing up. And part of that was really me um, learning everything without my family. And so, um, so I had to grow up really, really young. And then, um, so that's one. And then two, um, I was always moving to like different areas or different places because we probably had, well, myself, as well as with my aunts and my uncles who I was living with, as well as my grandma, we always had to move to different places. And so there was really, there's no stability there. And so what I had to do really, I think from growing up, I was really like in my head a lot. But the one thing that always kept me there was my, one, my creativity. I was like really playful. And, um, and, you know, me having to go through a lot of traumas too, as I I was growing up, like one of them was the abandonment part. Another one was, um, you know, I was also an abusive relationship and, um, and this is the one thing too, that I haven't really told that much from everyone is I was also raped at a very young age at 14. And, um, I had to go through all those traumas and all those struggles. And from that, um, you know, I have discovered myself when I was uh, at the age of 36 and, you know, and said that, okay, this is what I really love to do is planning events. And that's when Masterpiece was born because, you know, I, you know, I was still trying to decide on what I was going to call my event planning company. And that's when I said that you can make your life a masterpiece. And I would say like, I'm probably like a living, living person or living, um, witness to that, that even though I've gone through all those struggles and all those trauma, that I was still able to create my own masterpiece. And that's why I started, I love doing events and I like to do that for everyone. And so each one of us is our own masterpiece, aren't we? We can, uh, we can further develop it with the paintbrush or the camera, whatever medium or a book, whatever we want, but we are a masterpiece. And that's a really important message and especially an important message to give to schools, to, to children. Uh, this is what they're missing out on in education. So tell me, ladies, I'm going to go around the room again, but tell me now, actually growing up as an Asian young girl, some of you may not have uh, grown up in the country you're in now or there's obviously going to be something there that has molded you to where you are now. So I'd love to tap into some of that. And Denise, can I start with you? So tell me about your Asian influence as a child, if you could just share that little story with me. 
Sure. So um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm half Filipino, half Italian, and uh, my mother is Filipino and growing up wasn't easy. Um, I was, I was born in 79. And so going through the eighties, um, it was like people didn't know what mixed children were. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it was kind of, you know, for me, I didn't, I didn't really see color when it came to going to school and things like that. But then I started quickly realizing around five years old that I was different. <laughs> um, and kids would ask questions and they would swoosh their nose down and say, why does your nose look like this? Are you black or are you white? And, you know, and, and there was taunting happening. Um, and even my sister experienced prejudiceness as well. Um, and we were living in a small town in Washington state at the time. And our parents actually moved us out of that town because we dealt with such deep prejudice and my poor mother um, she took the brunt of it. I mean, she was, she's very obviously, she was very obviously Asian and, um, you know, it took, it kind of took a toll on our family, um, in, in that way. And then, you know, as I got older, I obviously like started to learn how to embrace it. And it, around in my teenage years, um, uh, my sister and I, I remember we were talking about, cause we would always, we would always check white on, you know, like the whatever forms or whatever, because we always kind of, that's what we were taught to just check white. And then we realized, but we're not white. We're, we're half like, so we, we decided to, to use, start using the term, oh, we're, we're Amerasian <laughs> or you're, you're Eurasian, you're Eurasian and European and Asian. And so, um, you know, we kind of started having fun with that. And, and, you know, as I got older, I started checking no, I'm, I'm Asian on the boxes. And I realized by doing that, that started creating more, more of a pivot in, um, in, I guess the, the minority, right. In saying, seeing the, and embracing the minority in me, which is weird because how many billions of Asian people are there in the world? I don't see how it's a minority. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that's my, my little um, story about, about growing up. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, and it, it's, you know, kids have to learn this because otherwise they, they wouldn't understand. But I, I find the kids' prejudice at school and the kids' racism at school is deplorable and it has to come from somewhere. It has to come from an attitude somewhere because kids generally don't hold a lot of baggage. They live from day to day and minute to minute, literally. So they have to learn these sorts of yeah. attitudes, don't they? And this is this is they something learn from I- their parents, exactly. It's, you know, and and I mean, that's that's the truth because yeah. who are the biggest influencers? It's your parents, and yeah. so you see your parents treating. Um, people a certain way, you're going to treat people a certain way, you know, and that's how, that's how the ripple effect, but that's why I love these ladies because we're here to break that pattern. You know, we're breaking that cycle. <laughs> and that's exactly right. And, and, you know, caregivers and parents, whoever influences us in growing up and, it, but, and, and caregivers and parents, but also equally education, it takes a huge chunk of our lives, doesn't it? A massive chunk of our lives. And I don't think they do it well in, in any 
respect. Uh, and that's what I do, as you know. I push push hard on that and um, political activists in terms of that. Uh, I don't tolerate poor education and certainly not from my own country, certainly not from my own state, certainly not from my own schools or for my children. And I think we all have to stand up for this in some way. So your book, ladies, is really powerful. I, I think it's great. I think you this is you're just touching on the start. Where this book can go is 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 anyone's guess, but it's going to go there. Thank you so much, Denise. Lucy, can you please delve into your your background a little and uh, and uh, some of the challenges I suppose that you faced being a young Asian girl? Absolutely. Uh, my story is actually kind of the opposite of the niece. So I was born in China. I grew up in China and I moved to Los Angeles, the U.S. when I was in elementary school. Yeah. However, because we live in a very predominantly Asian community in Los Angeles. So I yeah. would say um, as I grew up, all my friends are Asian. Um, I probably didn't have a non-Asian friend until I went to college. Mm. Um, our school, I would say, was over 80% Asians. So I actually never experienced racism. I never felt prejudice. Yet I felt I had all the teenage problems that a human being went through. And as I aged, I realized and I started to learn what racism was. Probably not even until college, people start talking about it. People start telling their stories. And that's, that's when I realized it is a learning process for all of us. Even for me, as an Asian, as Chinese, I didn't know what was right to say that would make someone else feel less of themselves, right? For example, uh, I, people started talking about how the term oriental, you know, mm. was a little bit degrading to, you know, the Asian community. However, when I was growing up, um, all of us thought the word oriental was like, it meant sexy, like it yes. was actually good. Mm. So that's what I grew up with. So actually, it was learning process for me as well. You know, even our local games one of the little local gangs were called Oriental Thugs. Like we took, you know, when we have different culture backgrounds, we take in different meaning for different words. So it's an ed educational process. And we are all here learning as we go, as we grow. We're all learning every day. And I think it's important to keep an open mind. Just mm. keeping an open mind to what's out there. And even with the recent events, I'm very saddened for the recent events and I really feel compassionate and I want to be there for my Asian fellow Asian sisters and brothers, but I am learning as well. So I think it's um, definitely something the entire world still need education on. And that's where limiting beliefs, I wish our educational systems, you know, yeah. public schools taught us more about limiting beliefs, you yeah. know, how to think more positive, how to be more grateful and how to show respect 
all the good things in life, right? Because that's what personal development is. When your mindset is in that abundant mindset, how you can help others, when you're in that kind of mindset, your entire life changes in front of you. The perspective, isn't it? That's a powerful uh, note that you've you've mentioned there. So, the you, you said the different meanings for different mm-hmm. words <clears throat> is very correct because it depends on your context, doesn't it? Where you've been brought up, how you've been brought up, a whole range of different things that um, people look at you and make up their mind um, whether it's right or wrong. They make up their mind about a person because that is the way they've been taught or brought up and it's their perspective. So if we were to circumnavigate that and teach our kids exactly what you're saying and that is to have an identity, believe in ourselves, set ourselves boundaries, strong boundaries, what we will and won't tolerate, and then uh, our own perspective of ourselves is going to be stronger to battle out, I suppose, what will happen out there in the big world because it's bullying. It all comes down to bullying at the end of the day, doesn't it? And bullying is insidious. I I had a conversation with a politician last night about that, a couple of politicians last night about that, and the bullying is just so insidious that that it just creeps and seeps through. And so really how do we do it? We've, we've We've got to look at all different ways. And so your book and your stories. So the combined group together with the book title, Asian Women Who Boss Up, is one perspective. And then every every story inside has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of perspectives within. And that's the beauty. And that's where we need to get better in terms of educating our students about diversity. And we're, we're a diverse world. It's it's you know it's no different to any other species really. We're all diverse within each species, and the humans are diverse, and this is how we are. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, the Oriental theme and the ownership of countries by other countries has really caused a lot of this. And we need to, whilst acknowledging it, undo that for ourselves. Amy, thank you, Lucy. Amy. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself growing up as a young Asian girl? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Taiwan. I was born in Taiwan. I grew up in Taiwan until I was 12 before we, my family moved us to the States. So growing up in Asia, they had this fantasy about people in the U.S., right? Especially American, you know, white, Caucasian. So in our mind, we see you know, the, the, the TV are so glamorous and the Barbies that we play with, you know, Ken and and the Barbie girl, <laughs> right? They're all Caucasian. So we're like, okay, so they're different from us. So in our mind, we have already had this belief that they are more superior than us, which is not true. But then, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't know better. And even my, my parents would say that. And so when we moved to the States, when I looked at people that are different from us, so in Asia, I mean, in Taiwan, of course, most people are Asian. But once we move here, it's like a whole diversity. And I see that there's different cultures and and because I I was growing up with the belief that I'm not inferior, but I felt inferior because of the belief I had. Mm. I had to go through that. I had to find my own worth. And now, like I said, it's to learn about who I am. So now that I'm growing up and learning through the personal development is that knowing that we're all actually one, 
We're all one. We're all the same. Although we look differently, but we're all connected. So with the thing that's been happening with the Asian hate is just, you know, it's really ignorance. People don't understand that we're all connected. We're all one. They think we're all different, but we are the same. So it's really raising that awareness to people that they, they don't know what they don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. right. And the saying is that once you understand the truth, the truth will set you free. So to me, the truth is knowing who you truly are, knowing that we're all connected. We're all one. So, you know, th- those things wouldn't happen anymore if we're all one. That's my take on this. That's awesome. So what age were you when you moved from Taiwan to to US? I was, I was mm-hmm. so that's, that's quite an impressionable age too, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was kind of in the in the middle, you kind of starting to have your own mind, but it's like it, it was kind of <laughs> trying to understand. I had to learn English too. Mm. So it's just like I already felt like I was inferior and I felt different. And I'm looking at these people, they speak English and they don't understand what I'm talking about. But it's it's just it's different. It's not better or worse. It's just mm-hmm. different. different. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's excellent. Thank you so much, then, Amy, for for your story. Lisa, can you know, you've told us a little bit about uh, you've been you've been uh, raised by a family, aunties, and your grandmother. So mm-hmm. were you born in the U.S.? I was actually born in the Philippines up until yes. I was uh, twelve years old. And then I moved to Chicago here to the U.S. when I was 12. Yeah. Um, so that, to me, was a culture shock because mm-hmm. now, um, you know, actually I grew up speaking English, but even when I came to Chicago, it was really more of, okay, well, I'm starting a whole new life again, and I'm 12, like, you know, I'm, I'm reaching my teenage years. But the one, but I didn't really, I would say, like, feel the racism or like even being different in school. I think it was really more of having to deal with the bullies in school. That's really like what it was. And I also went to an all girls school. Um, I would say all the way up to my my eleventh uh, year, my junior year in high school. And so I was really more of used to going to an all girls school, private school. And so there was really a lot more of that, um, uh, like clicks, I would say, like different girls in different groups. Mm. Um, and so to me, um, I didn't feel any of that racism because I've always went during my high school. I, I, you know, we were all diverse and we're all, I would say like different. Um, but it didn't really bother me or it wasn't that, but in my opinion, I feel that, um, what I'm seeing right now is that the education system is, I feel like they are part of that, like part of teaching the racism to many of the kids. But I also feel like that influence is coming from the mainstream media because they're highlighting the racism that's happening here, that's happening all over the world. And also a lot of the, the crimes like that are happening and so I feel that like with social media, with the mainstream media and the education system, I, I think that that's what's increasing the racism and that's what the kids are seeing right now. And so I feel that parents really would have a strong influence to guide their children and guide their kids because of what they're being taught in school. If it's wrong, I think that the parents should really tell them like, okay, we're all this, we're all the same, but we're also different but it really shouldn't matter like what race you are. And so I think that that's the key is like, you know, to, to love each other. That's one. And also um, 
and I feel that they either should, I don't know like how they would tell them, but really to not really listen to what the news is saying, because it's, it's mostly negative as I could see. And um, so that's, that's the second one. And I think that um, I would say like almost everyone, everyone should really educate themselves before they start to say, say something I would say when it comes to racism too. And I think Mm. that, like like with our book and they're reading our book and it's Asian women who boss up, I feel that that would be also like a big influence because they can see our different stories and where we came from and what what we did and this and what we've been through. And I feel with that, it, it has like that strong value to influence like little girls or even women once they read our stories. I love that. And, and I hear you with the media. The media is one of the, the biggest problems and you add social media to that and the influence of that on small minds and young minds who haven't been educated correctly. And so I hear often, you know, as an educator, it's it's the parent's job, it's the parent's job. But what if a parent's are so dysfunctional they can't do their job and they can't help their children? Then what? So we do have to have a plan B and that's our schooling system. And our schooling system all over the world uh, was adapted for the industrial industrial era, definitely not the era we're living in now. And that it needs to make a huge adjustment very, very quickly. And it's not. It just doesn't get it. And I know with my research that, uh, that the U.S. is struggling with this as well as uh, Australia and other countries that um, they, they, they wanted to put their head in the sand and ignore it. But, and that's why I always believe it becomes the industry's job to look after their own industry and, uh, and look at the perspectives. But if we do not teach our children how to analyse and understand media, then, and that's in, in a subject like comprehension, then we're not going to ever change the problem. So for me the key is that, and I know Norway's doing a lot in that area, they're actually teaching their kids from a very young age to read the social media and then analyse it for the fact only, fact only. And I love this. When I came across this in my research, I thought, oh, at last there is one country, one country who gets it. Isn't that sad? And it's fact, and that's where all our bullying comes from, fact only. I shared a couple of weeks ago with them. Um, your co-authors, that I was born in Penang, Malaysia, and my father's in the armed forces and uh, he was in uh, in the Air Force and he was a doctor in the Air Force and uh, he was based in Butterworth and I was in Penang. And the biggest thing was when we eventually came back to Australia, um, you know, and, you know, you'd always have to have a show and tell and stand up and say where you're born and all this sort of thing. It, it came up so often, where were you born, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd say, oh, Penang at Malaya. And the whole classroom would go quiet and they'd turn around, they'd stare at me like, oh, who is this person? And, and I'd feel it, I'd feel it. And, uh, and it. and it was always fascinating me because I didn't see myself as anyone other than myself, but I felt it and understood it and knew. So I got a little taste of what it was like. And, and I would always get the comment about my eyes and people would say, ah, oh, that's why you've got slanty eyes. And I'd go, have I? And I'd go home and say, mum. Have I got slanty eyes? And and she'd go, why? And I'd tell her and she'd go, oh, yeah. And and then she would sit down and talk to me about um, people's perspectives, et cetera, and how I had to trust myself. And then I got it about my nose was too big and my bottom lip was too big. And then when I hit uni, 
it was I spoke posh because I had moved so often in a, in a Defence Force family and moving across all the states, I had this very strange accent that no one could understand and depict, which made me different. So I was just a little microcosm of what you have all experienced, just a little little segment of it. So I get it. I understand it. And so the media, social media is the killer, isn't it? The social media, uh, and we're, what we're seeing here in Australia right now, there's a task force run by a judge and, and she wants every uh, women's stories about uh, abuse and assault and rape, et cetera. And, uh, and so I'm going to write into that and around bullying because bullying has to be um, has to be determined. And we have women assaulted every single day in schools, every single day in our schools. And that's pretty, pretty bad. And so the bullying is is along with the media is, is, a, is a powerful force that we need to get rid of. And your book, ladies, wow, that is making that big, deep dent into the social media, the perspective, and what you're doing is you're touching on all those things. So tell me quickly, I'm watching the clock. It's um, almost 10 minutes to go. So if I can just run through the room and find out how you are going to use this book now to make change. Denise. Um, yeah, well, A, sharing it with as many people as I can. Keep talking about it. Keep the conversation going. That's really important. Um, and we have a weekly clubhouse group called How Asian Women Boss Up. And it's such a great group because we get to we get to share with people and other Asian women come up and they get to share their stories. So we're already creating that ripple effect. It's pretty awesome. Excellent. Clubhouse is a great um, platform, isn't it? Thanks, uh, Denise. Lucy, how are you going to take this book forward? Um, I think I just really want to send out the message that all of us have a story. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter if you're non-Asian, you're welcome to read our stories. You're Asian, you're welcome to read our stories. But we want to energize you. We want to impact you that you, so that you can become a masterpiece and do what energizes you for a living and wake up each day with a smile because another chance is of rebirth has been given to you. We all, we want all the readers to feel alive because this world need more alive people. Love it. And yes, we are all a masterpiece. And uh, Dr. Perry Barker uh, certainly told us that last night. Our brain is such a masterpiece and we need to honour it and and, uh, serve it well. Thank you so much for coming, Lucy. Amy? For me is to continue to speak up and show up. Doesn't matter what it is, but show up as your true authentic self. And when people see that, you don't know who you're inspiring, but people are inspired by you. Yes. So exactly. just continue to show up. I love it. And that, that's exactly right. You really don't know the effect you have on people, do you, until they tell you. But you do. Each and every one of us do. And by being here and present today, each and every one of you are doing that. Thank you, Amy. Lisa. Hi. I actually want to put together more events so that we can promote our book. Um, I know that this month is Asian Pacific Heritage Month. And I haven't told the ladies yet, but I'm actually um, going to ask them to see if they would like to speak in in celebration of the Asian Pacific Heritage Month. And then more events to come because that's how we're going to promote our book too. So. It is. It is, isn't it? Exactly. And, and, uh, and you've got a book and that's the, it's lifelong. The longevity of that book is lifelong and it will go into, you know, into the future, long past our lives. 
and exist. That's what I love about books. That's really great. So to each and every one of you, I invite you to uh, help me get the message out just one step further. And I would like to uh, invite you each to meet with me for a one-on-one interview and explore these topics deeper because obviously we, we really have only touched the surface here and there's, there's I know inside each of you there's a lot more um, that you can tell us and to and tell everybody, the listeners, to help educate people and how do we change our perspectives, how do we handle diversity and uh, and how do we honour our masterpiece that is ourselves because each conversation helps each person uh, who listens to you all. So thank you so much, ladies. I'm really impressed with uh, what you've done and, and I look forward to my copy from Denise. She's going to send me a copy, aren't you, Denise? And uh, I look forward to that. And I look forward to meeting you next year when I come over to the US. Let's do it. Let's have a, uh, let's have a party. <laughs> that's, that's something we will do. All right, then. Um, so to finish up today, I would like to thank you all so much. Uh, Michelle, uh, Denise, could you please just lead and tell everyone where they can find the, your book, please? Yes, you can find us at uh, on Amazon, Asian Women Who Boss Up. You can get the ebook version there. Um, and each of us on our websites, we have we have copies of the book. So, um, for example, mine is bridgethelove.com. You can um, pre-order a signed hard copy. And, um, and then each one of these women as well have it on their websites. Thank you, bridgethelove.com. Lucy, where can they find you? Can you please give us your um, website? Absolutely. I am at lucyluecoaching.com. That's L-U-C-Y-L-I-U coaching.com. And you can also tune into my podcast, The Lucy Lou Show. Excellent. Thank you. Amy, where can they find you on your website? Yeah. So my website is theopulentacademy.com. Simple. The theopulentacademy.com. Nice and simple too. All these are great. Thank you so much. And finally, Lisa, where can they find you? They can find me at masterpiecelm.com. So it's masterpiece and then my initials, lm.com. There we go. So listeners, uh, and the, and we, this um, show will go up to YouTube and podcasts so people can uh, rewind and listen to that. So uh, thank you so much to everybody for being here today. Uh, I'd like to um, congratulate you on your successful, highly successful book, and I look forward to te- uh, speaking to you all in uh, the future, the very near future. So it's goodbye uh, from me and it's goodbye from our ladies who are uh, co-authors and the Asian women who boss up. And uh, for those people who are listening today, thank you so much for uh, listening to another interesting 60 Minutes with TracyTully.com. So cheers for now. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to another 60 Minutes of Inspiring Talking Points on Tracy Tully Talks, brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Australian time, AEST, and 5 p.m. PT time in America. Leave me a message on my website at www.bbsradio.com forward slash Tracy Tully Talks. If you're interested in lifting the profile, presence, and profit of your business, sponsorship opportunities are available. Until next Thursday, it's goodbye from me. Thank you.